0: Yeah, when, you, when you get to my age, it's, um, you never know if it's glasses on or glasses off. Glasses on looks good, and then when I look up, it looks terrible. So, um, I'm at that age in life. What an incredible time to be alive. Uh, I was sitting there thinking, to be alive at a time like this, what an incredible time that God so ordained that you are alive right now on this planet when you almost have a sense of the curtains being drawn uh, on the ages of the end of time, and uh, we all know that in a race, what is the most exciting part? When they're up for the 100 meters in the Tokyo Olympics, if those of you watched, and they and they psh, the gun pulls off, and you know it's about nine point whatever six seven seconds to the end, it's that final moment that is just the glorious, incredible time. And what a time for each and every one of us to be alive. What an exciting time. You might not feel excited. You might kind of feel we're living in perilous times, but I want to tell you um, I'm excited Uh, as Jesus starts to bring all things to an end. I'm incredibly excited. So this morning I'm going to preach uh, uh, last Sunday I had a word, I was sitting here and I had a word and, um, and I went forward to Mike and I said, man, I'm, I'm feeling something, but I don't know if it's for the service, but I've got this word and kind of, you know, gave him a little bit and I sat down and as I sat down, I felt the Lord say to me, Derek, start to write down what I want to say. Uh, and Mike, never called me up in the service to share the word. So some of you, if you ever bring a word, don't ever feel that, you know, if they don't use you. Don't, you know, just keep bringing it. Be obedient, keep bringing, bring to the Lord what, what you believe will bring Him glory. And uh, I wrote it down, and about two days later, Mike kind of, because uh, I felt the Lord said, I'm going to preach on it, and Mike phoned me up and said, hey, Derek, can you quickly preach Sunday? You know, I'm away with his, uh, deserved rest with uh, with Adi and the children. And so the moment he asked me to pray, normally, uh, to preach, sorry, I normally take a bit of time to think about it, but I knew uh, it was something that I felt the Lord um, wanted me to preach on, and then this morning God gave me a dream, uh, which I believe is really significant for us. So let's get quite into it quickly for a moment. I'm going to preach this morning on fruitfulness and fragrance, fruitfulness and fragrance. And about 10 days ago, I, was, I live in Onverwacht across the road over here across the park, and um, I have taken about two years to establish table grape vines uh, onto a trellis, and it's been a two-year journey of training these vines to a point where they can bear fruit, and this is the season. This is the season that they're going to bear fruit, uh, and uh, a friend of mine who actually is the manager of Onverwacht, who um, uh, has been in table grapes and, and wine and grapes for many, many years— popped on around to my house for a cup of coffee and we sat down. I said, Weinant, the state the Weinstocket And I said, It's time to prune the vine. And so we got into the garden and we started to prune the vines. And the detail that goes into pruning a vine is quite incredible. You don't just cut anywhere, you've got to look at count the nodes, and then there's a space called the internode, and you've got to cut, you've got to take out all the deadwood, And it's quite a hands on process of actually uh, pruning the vine. And while myself and Vaynant were pruning the vines together, my lovely wife Teresa over here was pruning the roses. I was pruning the vine, and she was pruning the roses. And she was cutting out all the dead work and, and, and making it ready for the flowering season. And, and therefore the thought came, the vine, the fruitfulness, and the fragrance that Christ wants us to be in this life. And that's the word I feel that the Lord just wants me to speak on this morning. So if we look at John uh, uh, 15 verse 1, if we can just get it up, it's a portion of Scripture we all know. It's certainly one of my favorite portions of Scripture. And we read, I am the true vine, this is Jesus speaking, and my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus says, I am the vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And sometimes the dead wood's got to be cut away, so that greater fruitfulness comes. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And then there's the seventh verse, which I'm not going to put up here, but it's an incredible verse, that if any of you have ever read it, the magnitude of that verse strikes me every time I read it, and I cast myself the question, can it possibly be true? Because it says, if you abide in me, if you abide in me, And my words abide in you. You can ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. And we often want to theologically explain that away and and, and add our little bit to it. But it's exactly what Jesus says. And it's an amazing uh, piece of scripture that really grabs me every time. I'm actually reading a book at the moment uh, that I was sharing with the elders. That um, I only read it every three or four years because the reason whenever I read it I kind of feel unsaved. Um, I, I honestly am deeply challenged in the shallowness of my walk before the Lord. I'm deeply challenged uh, as an elder in a church where I'm meant to, to um, live a life that hopefully others can follow. I'm, I'm, I'm challenged by the lack thereof in my own personal life before the Lord. Um, and the shallowness often of the way I live. And that might shock you, but uh, I think it's important that you hear it, because I sometimes think you feel that elders glow in the dark, and we don't. Um, I can tell you we don't. We, we have a deep desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a deep desire to bring glory to the Lord. And I mean, the purpose that we meet like this is not for you to have a good time in any way, but we meet here that the focus is Jesus. And that's always what I preach about Pete. Whenever he leads or preaches, his focus is always Jesus. He always points us to Jesus. So he's a good man to follow. And um, yeah, in reading this book, I'm, I'm just really challenged. And please don't come up to me ask to, afterwards and ask me what the book is, okay? Because so I'm not going to tell you. If the Lord wants to lead you there, let Him lead you there. But it's a book that will shake you to your foundation. And this man that wrote this book about his life, it's all about abiding. It's all about abiding. What he did to abide I have never read anything like it in my entire life. Never. And yet every year, or not every few years, I I kind of revisit it and then repent before the Lord and say, Lord, God help me. So if we look at God as our vine dresser, I want us to consider for a moment the vine dresser. There's some profound thought in God as the vine dresser. Firstly, God the Father loves the vine. So He loves you. God the Father loves you. God the Father takes care of the vine. God the Father loves you. He takes care of you. And I'm telling you, as I'm sure as I'm standing here to know, I know a lot of you are challenged just right there to believe that God actually loves you. Because you look at yourself... And you look at the dirt, like Lachal says, where you walk and you leave this dirt and you realize that your life, in the light of who He is, is actually very dark. And you're challenged by, why would God love me? Why? Why does, does He actually even care about me? Now, I know um, parents that have little ones like Ariel. I'm sure there's a time, Pete, or Sue as a mom, you will... When she goes to bed and, and she's got that little angelic look on her face, and she's like, just like, she, she, she's just purring like a kitten. She's just like, you stand over her with a sense of, I love you. I see you. I want the best for you. And I wonder if you go to bed at night and wonder if the Lord Jesus looks over you and loves you and cares about you. I wonder. There's an interesting fact um, just in. in in, in the grapevine itself, it takes about 30 to 50 years. Sometimes it bears fruit for 30 to 50 years. I know the vines that pulled out last year by us was 32 years old. And the vine dresser prunes that vine and shapes it and forms it to the purpose of fruitfulness. That is his desire to get fruit out of that vine. And it's the same way a shepherd knows his sheep. He knows them by name. He knows each sheep. He knows its walk, its gait, how much wool. He knows it. The same way the vine dresser knows everything about his vine. He takes special care. He creates the best growing conditions. He directs the fruit to the sun so that he, he, he sometimes prunes away the leaves so that the, 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 the fruit can be pointed towards the sun. And, and even as Lachal gave that word this morning, some of the, the long vines often fall to the ground and line in the dirt. And there's a practice that the vine dresser goes and he picks up those vines and he ties them up to the tree. He takes them out of the dirt and points them to the sun. What a beautiful picture of the Lord coming and taking you out of the dirt. And I want to say to you, if you feel you sit here without sin in your life, you are deceived. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sinned, and it's a terrible place when you reach a place in your life that you feel you're so spiritual that you sing with the angels. It's a terrible place when you reach a place in your life that you feel you're more spiritual than others, and for us at leading church, especially elders, you can quickly arrive at that place because everybody wants your view and your, your perspective on the Word and the next deeper revelation of God. But if you really look at yourself in a mirror and you hold up a mirror to your life, and you really look with the Lord's eyes at who you are, then you'll realize, thank, thank, thank Jesus that He died and thank you for the blood that covers. Because if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we are all just miserable sinners. Saved by grace. If we look at the, the role of God as the vine dresser, I want us to look at just a few scriptures. Um, if you look at Psalm 139, verse 1, it says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down? You're all sitting down, eh? He knows when you sit down, He knows when you rise. You discern my thoughts afar, you search out my path, my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. Do you realize for a moment that it's not just me and you sitting in the room, but there's the eyes of the Father, that Jesus in Himself is watching and looking and caring, and, 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 and He's looking and He's searching. He knows each one of us. If we look at Titus chapter 2, we're not going to put it up there, verse 11, it talks about that the Lord wants us and desires us to live soberly, righteously, and godly. In James chapter 4, verse 10, it talks about how He lifts us up and encourages us and develops us towards the Lord, towards the Son. In Psalm 103, we read that as we submit to the vine dresser, he eradicates the disease of sin in our lives. And then there's this beautiful scripture in Jeremiah 17 that says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, and he does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. He's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So God the Father waters, He shapes, and He eradicates sin in our lives as we yield and surrender our lives to Him. And one of the sins that I feel that God hates the most is the sin of pride. The sin of pride. And as I alluded to it a little bit early on, be careful when you get to a place in your life when you genuinely feel that you've arrived in your spirituality and you feel you know something. Be careful when you look at your brother that is maybe still growing in the Lord, and young in the Lord, and you want to bring about some great spiritual truth. Always remember, be careful when you want to bring your correction into people's lives and you haven't lived one day in their shoes and you think you can assume that you know what's going on in their lives. I've learned to look at people with different eyes in my life, to love and appreciate the work of Christ in them, knowing full well that when I look at a Keegan or a DeVette or anybody, a Liam here I'm looking at a person who the Holy Spirit has been daily at work in, and who am I to judge that person and find them wanting when the scale of my own life is so rusted? There's a beautiful scripture. I want us to just move on. We've looked at the vine. We've looked at fruitfulness. And there's one purpose and one goal that the vine dresser has, and that is to bring you to maturity. He wants to bring you to a place of maturity that your life will emit the sweet nature and rich nature of Jesus and let His nature radiate from within you. This is the goal and this is the purpose of the vine dresser. Let's take a moment to look. As I said, I was pruning the vines and and pruning to fruitfulness, and this year I hope to have table grapes. If you visit my home, maybe you get to share some of them. I'm excited for them. They're seedless. Apparently they're going to grow the biggest as in Canaan land, maybe golf balls. You know, just trust the Lord for a great harvest. (laughs) But I want to look at fragrance at the moment. As my lovely wife pruned the roses and got stuck in over there, and um, I considered this thing of fragrance. We've looked at fruitfulness. The Lord is your vine dresser. He wants to bring you to fruitfulness. But He also wants to bring you to fragrance. And there's this beautiful scripture that I want to read for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. If we can put that up there, it says this. It says, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us, that's you through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we, that's us, the bride, we are the aroma of Christ. We are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to other a fragrance... From life to life, who is sufficient for these things? Who? We are to God the fragrance of Christ. We are the fragrance amongst those that are being saved, and we are the fragrance of those that are unsaved. And we read that God through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Someone asked us a question this morning. What does it look like? What does it look like? What does the person look like that carries the fragrance of Christ? What does it look like to carry a fragrance? I think, firstly, your life will be noted by a compassion for the lost and for people. And I think you can say a lot about the fragrance of Christ. But if, if 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 we diffuse the knowledge of Christ everywhere through our fragrance, then you ask to who's that knowledge going? Well, it's going to those that are lost. So to have a compassion for those around us that don't know Christ. Secondly, to have a love for one another. Do we genuinely, sincerely, and deeply love one another? That can be very challenging, especially if you've got to love a guy like me. Some people find me lovable and others don't. To those that don't, I'm going to encourage you to look a little bit deeper. You might be surprised. But maybe you're just seeing that rusty old scale and that's maybe why you're battling. But, but you know, we all have differences. I'm different to Stephen. Stephen's different to me. We all come from different walks of life. We have all different ideas, we have different views, we, we love certain scriptures more than others, we, we, we are all different, but God calls us to love one another. And to love no, one another very simply requires that you lay down your life for the other. That in a sense, you give them your strength, and you give them your focus, and you, you give them your ear attentively, and when you speak to them, you don't always try to regurgitate your next greater revelation of who God is. Sometimes you need to just be a good listener and sit and listen to what the other person has to say. And to consider for a moment that as much as Jesus is speaking to you, Keegan, as much as He is um, engaging with you, and much as He's teaching you and learning as the great teacher, He's doing so to everybody else because He's not a respecter of persons. And I have to look and consider what God is doing in Martinus' life. And I must value that as much as what he's been done. I need to value what what Christ does in your life as much as what he does in my life. Before I think, or I'm arrogant enough or prideful enough to think that he's at greater work in my life because, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Thirdly, kindness in speech and actions. Are you kind? Sure. You've heard me say this so often, but I'm going to say it again. In a world that you can be anything, be kind. Be kind, people. Be kind to your wife. Be kind to your friend. Be kind to your neighbor. Be kind to the person that when you pull up and you're going to fill your car with fuel and he washes his windscreen, consider that maybe that's the 50th windscreen that he's washed that day. Consider that for a moment and be kind to him and honor him for the fact that he's cleaning the windscreen that you were too lazy to clean because you don't like to do it. Be kind to people, be kind, share with one another. Share, be kind. And there are many things that we can talk about under fragrance, but I'm going to just talk about this one on forgiveness a life of forgiveness. Every single one of you sitting here today, in my opinion, have been challenged to have to forgive somebody. To some or lesser degree, and I had an experience in my life, um, I've been in business for most of my life, and I did a deal with somebody, and I had an agreement, they were not in the industry at all, and they were batting fund financially. And so out of a kindness of my heart, I said, i tell you what, I'm going to bring you in and I'm going to give you a significant return. Now, if you put your money in the bank, you kind of get what? Now it's 4%. But let's say in the good days, 8 or 9%, I offered them 20% rolling, which meant that if we brought the product through every third month and we brought it through three times a year, you would have a 60% return. I think that's reasonable. Like, Keegan, would you? Okay, so I brought them in, but I said to them, I said, at any time, this business deal, because where there's money involved, where there is money involved, dear Lord, where there is money involved, it's amazing how offended people can get and how entitled people can get. And I think the Lord really tests your heart when it comes to money those that have, those that do not have, etc., etc. And um, I said, the moment it affects our relationship, I'm going to pull the plug. And they got entitled, and they started to dictate, and I had to pull the plug. Spoke with my partners, and we pulled the plug. And that spiraled this man into a hatred for my life. Okay, firstly, he was not a believer. So i got to give him understanding, but he spiraled into such a hatred, because now I had touched that thing that was very important to him. And I remember the one here, he sat down in front of me after he felt he'd confront me. He hadn't spoken to me, I don't know, for about two, three years he thought he would come see me, so he came. He sat down in front of me and he looked at me, and this is what he said to me. He said, you know what, Derek? He says I hate you with a black hatred. He said, it consumes me. At that point, he had gangrene affection and settled into his life. And I remember my response. I looked at him and I said, you know, my friend, I want to say with the intensity that you hate me, it's with the same intensity that I love you because of the love of Christ that shed abroad in my heart. And we were able to mend that relationship and he was able to in his own way, you know, move on. And I'm not saying I was perfectly righteous. Maybe, maybe there was something I did that was wrong. But what I want to say: our lives are all touched to this place where we need to forgive. Some of you need to forgive your fathers. Some of you need to forgive your mothers. Some of you need to forgive friends that have excluded you out of this circle. But God wants you to live a life of forgiveness. I want to um, start to land on. Uh, in John 15, we can't help but read John 15 without landing centrally on the theme of abiding. And um, I think if there's one portion of Scripture that if, as a as a leader in the church, I would ask every young person to consider, and every person to consider, is this concept of what does it mean to abide. I really... If <laughs> If there is something I could say to you, if there is something that I think you should focus, put your eyes on is this thing of understanding what does that mean. But I just want to give a few ideas around it and then I want to just end with the dream that I had this morning. To abide means to have a habit of constant close communion with Him. And I think that looks differently for every one of us. But have a habit of constant close communion with Him. Secondly, to always lean on Him. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. And the tower is something that you lean into, a place of refuge. Lean on Him. Lean on Him. He is not going to waver. He's not going to give way under pressure. You can lean on Him. Always rest in Him. Find a place of rest. I can tell you, you have lost the abiding or the position of abiding when you live in anxiety and fear of what might be today or tomorrow. If you're out of the place of rest, He gives His beloved rest. In Hebrews we are warned that that they they failed to enter the rest. God wants you to rest in Him. Find that place of rest. Fourthly, pour out your hearts to Him. He's not surprised by what you're going to say. Remember that He's your life. Remember that He's your strength. And remember that He's your best friend. So this morning... In ending, I had a dream. And sometimes I just dream absolutely nonsense. And other times, I just know it's the Lord. And this morning, I just know it's the Lord. And maybe you can help me with the interpretation of this dream. I'm not going to ask it publicly, but for those. But we were coming to a church service. And old Mikey was there. Big Mike. I don't know if he's what. No, he's on holiday. He's not watching this. But Mike, who's our lead elder, was there. And I had like a. It looked like a lampstand. But it was flowers. It was a flower arrangement full of little petals. And we were going to church. But we, and we were in a hallway. And we had to go outside to get in the main building. And it was storming outside. And I ran out. I said, Mike, well, you know what? <laughs> You know, I'm a bit of a time watcher. You'll see I'm watching the clock. <laughs> and I ran out and I thought, okay, let's just go for it. Ran out with this thing. And of course, the, the storm blew the petals to smithereens. I mean, when we stuck it up front, there was like three little petals left. It looked like this dismal nothing you'd ever put on display. And we were like joking, I'm a bit of a joke, I was saying to Mike, I said, hey Mike, those are the flowers of like three weeks ago, man, put, put something fresh up there. And we we're like, yeah. and, and, I, 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 and I started to think about what the Lord was saying, and then I, the next part of the dream, I was running upstairs, and we were in this auditorium, and I was looking down at the flowers, and I had a ratchet set, you know those ratchet sets where you, where you adjust the bolt either loosen or tighten, and I had a strap set where you got to, also you got to ratchet down something. I had these two instruments in my hand. I said, Lord, what is it you're trying to say? And I immediately went to this thing of fragrance. And I'm sure you all know of you, any of you have sold perfume or no perfume, the fragrance or the smell or the aroma is actually found in the petals. And I felt what the Lord was saying as He holds up the flower arrangement in this church. That the storms around us has blown the petals away. And so we are lacking in the compassion and the love and the kindness of Christ. And the ratchet said, is He wants to adjust us. He wants to bring a little bit of an adjustment this morning. And the strapping down is He wants us to, to, to secure our focus this morning on Christ. He wants to ratchet it down. He wants to secure us this morning. And our focus needs to be on Christ. And that's what I believe the Lord is saying. And so I, I leave these thoughts with you this morning. You know, we often ask for response or and I didn't feel to do any response on this. I just felt to, 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 to share what I believe the Lord has shared with me on my heart. And, and firstly, I preach to myself. I consider my own lack in my life. I, I'm, I'm smelling and seeing is there a fragrance. Do I smell good? Um, am I lacking? Um, is my flower arrangement or my petals on the on the ground and I've got three little things dangling over there so before I even hold a mirror to you I want you to know I, I hold to my own life and may God show me mercy even as I struggle through this thing of my life of fruitfulness and fragrance and I trust that that you will face this and and remember that the Lord is loving and he's caring and he's watching over you and he's and he's and he's and he's, and he's, and he's um uh, pruning and he 's shaping and he 's forming and, and hopefully when you guys some of you come visit my home, I must have about 20 thirty roses now i, I 'm sure in the weeks to come you 're going to see these beautiful blooms, but, but to get there he 's got to cut away the dead work and he 's got to shape and he 's going to form you to a place where you represent him well. And there's an old song that says, "It's Not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And this morning, I'm standing saying, Lord, help me to not only be fruitful, but help me to be fragrant. I wonder if we could stand. So let's pray for a moment. Let's just just quiet our hearts for the Lord. Um, Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're this God that does not stand at the big stick and beat us, Lord. But Lord, you point us to your love. You point us to the blood of your Son, Jesus, that washes and cleanses us, Lord. Lord, you lift our dirty branches, Lord, to the sun so that we will receive your son, Father Lord, that we will bear good fruit, Father God. Lord, you prune us to the place that new buds will form and flowers will grow and and those petals will carry the fragrance. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord, if this is you speaking, that Father Lord, I pray that in each and every one of our lives, Father Lord, that you... Father, will encourage us to live our lives fruitful, Father, fragrant, Lord, laying down our lives, surrendered, loving one another. Father, help us in this, Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray, Lord, that when you visit us, Lord, in the weeks to come, that the flower arrangement, Father, will start to fill up with petals, Father. Lord, that you'll pick every one of those petals that have fallen to the ground and just, in a sense, just give life again and and just place them in the right place so that that which is displayed, Father, will bring you glory. Because that's why we live, Lord, is to bring you glory in our lives, to bring you glory, Lord. And, Father, for people to look at us and say, wow, they irradiate the life and the love and the compassion and the beauty of Christ. I want to be like them. Father, make us a people like that, I pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.